Hello and welcome to episode 12 of our Unhappy Not Ill podcast. Oh my God, Nettie, it's the end. Well, it's the last episode in this first this series. Season. Yeah, this season. So it's not the end, it's actually a new beginning. Oh, the start of something new. <laughs> um, oh, we're really excited about this episode because it's going to be a little bit different um, to the rest. Obviously, we've taken a really good look at the journey that Vanessa's gone through throughout her entire life. And today, we're going to summarise it into three areas. The first one is check in really uh, with you guys and also Vanessa see where she's been at since we've recorded the episodes and what's happened over winter which we all know is a little bit of a difficult uh, period for us all and then we're going to take a step back and just reflect on the podcast so where are we at with it and what have we learned and what how do we feel about it um, and we're going to finish off with questions and these are questions that you as you, our listeners have given us so these are questions that have been burning and you've had from listening to our um, podcast so far and so we're here today to answer those for you. Um, before we kick off, I just wanted to share that we are so chuffed with the amount of people this podcast has reached, the amount of people that are fed back on this podcast, and also the amount of people that are following and engaging with us on Instagram. We've had people from all over the world come um, and, and hear us, really. UK, USA, Mexico, Germany, Spain, France, Canada, Russia, Greece and Sweden. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Like such, such a big expanse of people. And we are so thankful for each and every one of you for listening to our podcast. So I'll stop talking now. Over to you, Nettie. What, uh, how have you been feeling since we last recorded? So we, uh, we did most of the recording in October um, which was the start of the winter. And the winter is, is, is not a good time for anyone, I don't think. Um, but definitely has never been traditionally a great time for me. Yeah, agreed. Um, and this was my first winter off meds, so safely off meds. And actually my first winter off meds and not working in the way that I used to work. So I've had nice. tough winters before when I was, uh, there was a period of my life where, if you recall, I did come off the meds, but not safely and probably definitely not at the right time and in a sustainable way. Um, but I was working. And when you work in the way I used to work, you even if you feel like rubbish, you still have to get up and go to work. So in a way, it was probably um, an interesting challenge. You know, I still work and obviously have been busy, but I'm in control of my work. So I've had the luxury Lovely. of being able to to plan my work around myself more than I ever have done in my life. Um, so with that in mind, I would say that it has been... I think you... Sorry, I think you also had a really big other thing that... Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I, I also finished my detox. So I mentioned in one of the last episodes that I uh, went through a significant detox with Ariana um, and I ended that in October and that was really traumatic for me. So yeah, there was time. a period of me feeling lost um, and not really understanding what my next steps were because there was so much gain from the detox. But there was an adjustment needed. So all of that came together. Yeah. Um, and I would say that by the time we went away and we went to Sri Lanka, and hopefully our listeners will have seen that because we have posted, um, I was really desperate for that 
switch off that breakaway. Um, so the winter's been tough, but it's been good tough because I felt it and I've navigated it. Um, and actually, having what, what did you feel? Why was it tough? Well, because you know it is. It's not something I. I don't like the dark days. I mean, you know, no matter how many fires and candles I light in my house, <laughs> I still prefer the sunshine. Um, and I've really come. I've, I've, you know, I have a peace and an acceptance of the winter and the value of it, which is, of course, resetting yourself. So I adopted that mindset, which is. This is the time of year where effectively I would, if I could, hibernate. So therefore, I'm not going to be unkind to myself. And I think that's where I'm lucky because of my choice of how I live my life and how I work. I can choose to hibernate more than I could if I was doing my corporate roles. Um, so even though it was hard, it wasn't hard in the way that I was fighting. It was hard in a way that I really recognized it and had to just roll with it. Um, and just accept, as you do in life, that it's not always going to be summer and it's not always going to be a party. Um, and I think previously in my life, I've had a relentless quest for a permanent summer. Yeah, nice. And I think it was Wendy, wasn't it, who kind of brought that to life in that she tackled it from an aspect that you are very aligned to nature and you're yeah. very into nature and want to be outside all the time. But actually... Probably humans are aligned to nature. I was going to say, I mean, it's not me being it's aligned not you, to nature. Yeah. I think we are, I mean, what we forget is our roots and we are fundamentally at, at heart primitive. Um, so the human hasn't evolved, like the, the constitution of the human body hasn't evolved in the same way as technology has. So we've got all the things in place that make it permanently summer but in reality we have the instincts um in our bodies which are native and they are actually this time of the year that you go to ground and you don't you don't do all the the things that we're required to do so my life allowed me to roll with the winter in a way that perhaps other people aren't able to but certainly it's been it's been a bit tough for me but having the podcast really helped um Interesting. You know, uh, being able to listen to myself um, in in the episodes that have been released. And actually, that's quite different to how you thought it would be. Yeah, absolutely. It? I mean, I was dreading listening to myself. <laughs> um, you know, who I know people think I like the sound of my own voice, but I actually didn't. Um, <laughs> but no, in this, I, I was really impressed. I thought, gosh, I'm quite wise. I have learned something. Um, and I think I said to you, I don't really think. I would ever need therapy now. I could just listen to myself because you realise, <laughs> you realise that you know all of the all of the struggles I've had, all of the things I've tried because I've always been absolutely tenacious in in trying to fix everything. You know, it was worthwhile because yeah. I I have found the wood um, in 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 the trees. You know, so it's been yeah. it's been really good. So. It was tough the winter, but I did the right things. Um, and therefore, I haven't at any point, not once, A, been depressed and B, um, I have been unhappy, but unhappy, it, it's okay to be unhappy yeah, yeah. because I can't be happy all the time. And again, that was another misunderstanding. So there were times where I was unhappy and there were times I felt frustrated and we've had those discussions. But talking about it, accepting it gave me what I needed to just go, well, I've just got to ride this wave and, um, 
you know, do the things I know make me feel better. And one of those things, of course, is getting away. Now, I know everyone hasn't got the uh, ability to go away as we did, but getting away doesn't have to always be physical. Um, But in my case, it was getting away, getting some sunshine um, and having that time to to switch my head off and, and just get back to root. And um, I think you make a really valid point there, Vanessa, because obviously the way we've kind of explored and delivered the podcast is we get to this point where we talk about your freedom. Yeah. And actually the definition of freedom isn't being in a constant state of happy. It isn't being in a constant state where all of the tools and mechanisms that you've learned and adapted to to ensure that you don't get depressed are being used all the time. In fact... It's acceptance. Yeah, I remember you were, like, September, October time, you were really into your routines. You know, every morning you would meditate and you would do your breath work and you'd go outdoors and you'd cuddle the dogs and you'd do your drinks, you know, your drinks routines. P.S. guys, we're going to be talking about ginger, lemon and honey or maple syrup and the Instagram because it's a freaking lifesaver but you did lose it you lost your routine and you lost your almost your mojo but also your your tactics and you lost it and it was it was uncomfortable and you've come out of it and you're almost using different tactics now aren't you and you're almost reading new stuff and like trying to learn even further that it this isn't a yes there is a freedom absolutely um but the freedom is there to be rediscovered constantly and all the time well it's about being agile isn't it and yeah i mean this is the thing you know when you you look at there's loads of stuff out there about mental health because it is the winter and 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 but a lot of it is very sort of you know punishing for people because they think well i haven't got time to do that and that's not what this is about this is about being adaptable so like you say i have very i'm very good with routines probably better than anyone i know actually i'm really disciplined but your dis, your routine can't always be the same so it's about being able to kind of adapt and and think well what is it i what is it i can do now and what's going to work for me now because i'm not able to do the perfect routine all the time and and if i do do the perfect routine maybe i can't do it to perfection so yeah, and I, and I think like having reflected on the podcast, it was actually quite nice to listen to the podcast having recorded it because even when you're recording it, you can't you can never really remember how it's going to flow. So it flowed really well, but actually, what really stuck with me is um, how a lot of the the routes I took in my life were all about what was easy, and when I listen back to myself and I consider all of the Uh, things that I'm reading and seeing currently in the social media forums particularly about mental health and and the further work I'm doing because I'm always self-developing as you know Esty it's like my permanent thing yeah is it's we're conditioned I really do truly believe we can in this society we're conditioned to do what is easy. When when did you take the give us some example of when you took the easy routes? Well, we're conditioned to do what's the easy thing. So in life it's it's much easier to um conform with societal expectations. So when I was younger it you know, I've talked about it, it was like, you know, you're quite bright, so you should do law, medicine, accountancy, whatever. And in order to achieve those things, you, you're not really looking outside the box. You know, you're just thinking, well, what, what grades do I need? What do I need to do? Who do I need to impress? So when I started suffering with burnout and when I started suffering with my mental health, instead of listening to what 
my body was telling me I looked for something that would make that noise go away. And in, in, in that situation, it was a tablet um, and it was kind of a label. So yeah. I have also, when I listen to the podcast, it makes me realise really strongly that we are in society doing such a disservice to our children. We are not teaching them the very important things in life. Um, and I'm not saying that's everybody because there's always going to be pockets of the population that that do it. But en masse, our drivers are about academic or creative success. They're not about simply being um, and being a human being. So I probably would say that my reflections from my podcast are things like there's so many learnings in it um, for people to understand that you know, the journey of life is really, really tough. And we have to accept that. We can't change it. We can't make it easier. There are no sh shortcuts in life. Um, what we have to help people understand, and ideally from a young age, is that life is hard and that's okay. And you're not always going to feel good and that's okay. And very often you're going to feel shit and that's normal. Um, and we, I was never taught that. And I don't think people are taught that yeah. um, because we're always showing shiny, great things like everybody's got loads of money. Everybody looks great. Everybody finds things, you know, they've got the best bodies, the best hairs, the best clothes. And even back when I was young and we didn't have Instagram, that was the case. Now it's a hundred times worse. And then I reflect on sort of like the educational aspect, you know, in society, we drive people to achieve. We say that's success. I don't think it is. I think we need to go back to basics. We need to teach people to feel. We need to teach people to be compassionate and to be kind. And all the other stuff will come. Yeah. But what happens is we teach them the other stuff and then we spend our life working out what's actually really fundamental. Um, so I think that was the thing that really struck me from our podcast, that we're wired and conditioned to find shortcuts to get to societal success. I'm just going to like intervene here really quickly because so obviously I we train in the gym and I've got a personal trainer who's lovely but when I do exercise in the gym I notice that when I've done the same movement about five six times your body just kind of take the shortcut and go oh well if I do this it's not that painful <laughs> and um and my personal trainer very wisely says that's your body wanting to make it easier for itself yeah because that's how basically we're wired. Yeah. So there's a bit around societal pressures, 100%, and expectations of that, of, you know, it's, it, it is about being easy, but making it easy, but it's also about, well, we need to grow our GDP of our econ economy every single year, and therefore we need to be a productive country, and therefore we all need to work, and we need to work consistently so that we and can... And how do we with, consistency? Because yeah. people so fail. So if you're ill, have a tablet. Yeah. If you're not feeling well doesn't matter still come to work yeah hopefully that's slightly changed now because of covid and people are a bit like oh if you're ill don't come to work yeah <laughs> but it's it's almost like we've just been on this grow 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 trajectory and my mum told me this once and I, it's still f so valid she said the only thing that grows continuously until it dies is cancer it is not healthy to continuously grow it is healthy to stop and revisit and what you did over the last three months over winter like just 
be okay stop with stop and recalibrate. Yeah, reset. be okay with not having a routine and be okay with just being a bit low and just hibernating a little bit. I know, and I agree with that. But I think that this strive to have an easy life, yeah, and and I and I use that term loosely because obviously, but it's about you know it's easy when you've got a label, it's easy when you find yeah. a shortcut, but it isn't right. So I think most people will know that the easy option isn't always the right option. And I think that from when I look back on me, having the labels um, and having the tablets, I felt it was easier for me because if I had depression and a tablet, that kind of justified the way I was feeling I didn't need to explore it anymore. Um, Interesting. And, and I think yeah. that, look, I see a lot and read a lot particularly at the moment, particularly January because of the winter, about mental health and there are various campaigns going on. Um, clinical depression is a thing. There are people who really are struggling with depression. It's real. And yeah. there are people out there who suffer with really cro chronic mental health conditions. But do I believe that the extent of depression and anxiety that the figures would suggest is the situation in this society is accurate. No, I don't. I think that we have become too quick to give people labels and we're too quick to brand everybody as depressed or anxious. And actually, there needs to be far more work uh, going on, both individually, because it's our own individual responsibility, but also in terms of our NHS and our medical component of society challenging whether or not what's going on is really a clinical thing or is it simply that we're not happy and we're looking for permanent happiness because that's what social media tells us exists and is it that you know maybe we're living a life that we don't want to live because we are living somebody else's vision because a lot of us do that I did it and there are still people doing it um, and that's come through on the feedback in the podcast. Lots of people uh, are telling me that they resonate with some of the challenges and some of the expectations. And these are people that don't have labels and tablets. Um, they're just ordinary people, but those yeah, struggles... They're not, they're not, yeah. you know, they're not depressed no, in they're way. No, they're not. Yeah. You know, they haven't had the mental health journey I've had, but they recognise a lot of the signs that I've got. Um, maybe they haven't labelled it, but it's there. So... Yeah. You know, I do think that when I listen back to the podcast and I think back over my life, the biggest learning for me is that, you know, challenge the label, don't take the tablet, make sure that you've done everything in your power to establish that you need the tablet, don't just take it. Yeah. And and Vanessa, I think that's obviously amazing feedback and, and it's something that people can take away. I do, I really do believe that, especially GPs, because it is the first point of call when you're not feeling right in the UK, um, especially, you know, general practitioners have a role to play in this as well. And what kind of questions would you have liked to be asked by your GP instead of being offered the tablet? Well, I mean, you know what? I don't know whether... GPs are there are some really good GPs out there who are very much on the you know on 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 the way with with how they advise people and the NHS has recently changed their guidance and said you know you should offer people talking before you give them tablets so yeah um but you know Hallelujah, the thing is by the yeah, way. it is but you know what a lot of the talking isn't 
necessarily the right talking. I think the, the key thing when you're looking at your mental health is you need to have a whole picture. And Western medicine rather than GPs is all about what's the problem. Uh, let's let's get what's the symptom. Okay, they never really look for the root cause of the problem. So, I think that we GPs need to be more tuned in to the patient they've got in front of them, which they can't be because of the pressures. Ten minutes, yeah, starts. the pressures on them. Yeah. But also, there's a huge part of nutrition. A lot of this is about nutrition. If I if I knew then what I know now about the the, the power of what we eat in terms of the medicinal power. A lot of this could be avoided. And I still don't know any GP that would ever look at nutrition. So I think it's hard to say what would I need. I think they have to build a picture like anything. If you're building a hotel, you don't just go to site and like chuck up some bricks. You have to do massive, massive investigation into what you're doing and the materials you're using, get all the concerns. You know, it, it, it takes just, time. It takes time. And I don't think our... Western medical doctors really necessarily have that role. So I I can't really give you a tip because, you know, there are some great doctors out there, but there are some doctors out there who just like we all do look for the easy option to get them out of the room and, 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 you know, take away the risk. And there's probably no doubt that in the short term tablets save lives because they numb the feelings. So you take away the risk. But in the long term, it causes so much suffering. And I know for a fact that if I hadn't, if I'd have had a doctor that knew me better and understood me better um, and helped me look at myself differently, I could have saved myself a lot of suffering because all I did was delay my suffering and build it up. I didn't actually solve the problem. Um, And when you are depressed, they give you tablets because they want to get you to a point where you can talk. That That's the rationale. You know, you're too depressed to talk. So we need to kind of get you level before you talk. I don't think I agree with that. Like you need to feel when you're, when you're talking. Yeah. So yeah. yes, you'd be really depressed and it can be horrendous, but that's the power of the feeling and the talking. Like it has to be horrendous. Whereas by the time I got to the talking stage, I was kind of numb. So... I didn't really feel the things that I needed to feel. And so going back to this winter, you know, I really felt things, but I've been okay with feeling it. And like you said, it's okay to feel bad. And I know that there's lots of social media out there that says it's okay to not be okay and all of that. But we're still, we say all that stuff, but it's still not really okay to not be okay. Yeah. yeah. So until that changes, it's not really going to change massively. Yeah. I know it's a common knowledge and so publicised out there now that failure is good and actually the only way you can learn is through failure. We've both read a book from Abby Wamba, haven't we, called The Wolf Pack. Um, by the way, really short book. It took us like an hour to read it. I really, really recommend it. But despite it being short, she really rams it's down. Powerful. Yeah, it's powerful, but she really rams down this message of you don't learn if you don't fail. Yeah. And this can be really, really well put in place into what we're trying to say, which is how can you learn about yourself? How can you feel? How can you change things if you don't feel unwell? Yeah, I mean, and you don't let yourself I've, feel unwell. I've reframed that term now that failing is now growing. So yeah. it's, you know, you, you're right. There's lots of um, 
things out there talk about you know that you know you have to fail to succeed etc cetera, etc cetera. but for me it's not really about success as I've often said yeah. it's about growth and failing is growth because when you fail you do feel and you do learn and you do you do all the things that you need to do to grow you know they talk about growing pain so if you're not in any pain you can't be growing can you and it's the same with failing. So the fear of failing, which I had for so many years because I was chasing the illusion of perfection um, and still, by the way, don't like the idea of failing. Um, but I think you just have to learn to accept that we are going to fail. Yeah. yeah. Um, and once we've accepted that, we then can grow. The, this thought's just come into my mind um, and it casts back to basically the 1800s and the early 1900s where, you know, there used to be operations happening on human beings and there used to be quite, you know, big medical procedures done on human beings without any anaesthetic because it didn't exist. And the theory back then was actually because the body is being put under so much pain and under so much stress, it heals faster. Mm. And it's only since we've introduced painkillers and numbers that actually we're just not accepting pain yeah and society you can see that. You can wants s- to stop pain yeah it, it is and you can see it with what's happened with covid so you know we started from the position that we wanted um people not to die which is a fairly reasonable position to start from and now we're in a place where we don't want people to be ill we don't want people to be suffering and this is an unsustainable and unrealistic um ideology like we have, you know, people will get ill and people will suffer and people will be, some people are very poorly, some people be less poorly. And we, we, I almost feel like society is trying to stop that, like protect us from that. And in their quest for protecting us from it, they're actually doing us a disservice because, you know, other, other parts of us will fail because we're not like letting our body protect us. We're protecting ourselves by doing things that aren't normal, like basically sitting at home all the time yeah locking ourselves in. um yeah so yeah i mean i think you're right we're 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 in this we're scared we're, of pain we're scared of pain we're scared of suffering but suffering is part of living and it's how we grow and i think that over the last few years and certainly the last couple of years that's my biggest shift which is it's okay to suffer it's okay to feel bad it's okay to fail and it's okay to get it wrong and actually stop aiming for the stars because if you aim for the stars, you're never, never really going to reach them. So stop aiming for them. Like, you know, don't, don't, don't shoot for a target that you can't reach. Um, and put yourself under stress. Yeah. Under it. yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the question section of this episode. Really, really grateful for all our listeners sending us these questions in just so you know, this doesn't mean that it's question time end on our Instagram. So if you have any other questions, please do send them through. We'd love to hear them. And let's move on to our first question, Vanessa. Why have we called it Unhappy Not Ill? Well, this this was like a controversial um, title in the end, wasn't it? Because yeah. when we did the launch on Instagram, we got some real kickback for the title, which, you know, I found quite fascinating because they hadn't even listened to the podcast. So they just jumped straight into this like defensive mode. So this is my story. It's me sharing my journey um, and my learnings. And on reflection, 
and I say it during the podcast, if you're unhappy for long enough and, and deeply unhappy enough, you will become ill, whether that's physically or mentally ill. Because Fact. our brain and body, our brain and our, our mind and our body are connected. And there's loads of science to support that. So, of course, if I'm feeling unhappy all the time, that's going to affect my... It's like your, if your car engine isn't functioning, your car is going to break down no matter how beautiful and glossy the bonnet is. So... It's exactly the same. So with all that in mind, I recognise that for me, a lot of my depression, which was real and it was clinical, was caused by me being fundamentally unhappy, but not unhappy in a normal societal way. So as I've said, I didn't have anything that you could look, put on a board and go, oh God, yes, you know, you've got that reason to be unhappy because I had great parents. I had a good education. Um, I had opportunity. I had friends, but I just wasn't living my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was unhappy. So I was doing the things that I was told would make me happy and I wasn't happy. And that makes you more unhappy because when someone tells you something should make you happy and you're not happy, that compounds your unhappiness. So that was why I use that title. And as I've said before, I am not, nobody is going to convince me that the levels of depression and anxiety that are prevalent in society right now are all down to people being depressed. I think a lot of it is severe unhappiness, which hasn't been managed properly or recognized so I was supported yeah so for some people and I know from feedback I've had for a lot of people have said to me do you know what Vanessa I can see now that I'm actually I'm asking myself am I ill at all I think I'm just really unhappy and and you know my 10 pence on this is ultimately unhappy not ill is about giving everyone on this planet a unique insight into the life with depression and why we should challenge the labels in society. We want to create a tribe of people that are willing to share their stories, cope mechanisms and support mechanisms to inspire one person to do one thing differently out there. Mm. And that's exactly what the title is trying to do. The title is trying to inspire someone out there who's willing to understand the title that says, am I unhappy or am I ill? Yeah. And you know what? You can be both. Yeah. But the thing is, if the reason you're ill is because you're unhappy, you're halfway there, aren't you? Whereas if that isn't the reason, then it's a different route. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we want to know all our options, not just take one. Moving on to our second question from our lovely listeners. What was the one main influence on the path that you took that impacted your mental health? So I think the question is asking me... How did I end up going down the road that I did with mental health? What was the one main yeah. influence? So it, it has to be wanting to succeed using societal, you know, metrics. So basically, what did success look like in society at the time when I was in my teenage years and wanting to make sure I ticked those boxes um, and also pace. So, you know. A uh, certain, you know, you finish, certainly when I was young, you finish school, you go to university, you, you have a house, you get married, la, la, la. So there wasn't, for me, a possibility that I would be delayed by any obstacles in the road. Um, and I think that uh, the societal metric of success and fitting in, um, coupled with pace, meant I was glad to have a label and an opportunity to take a tablet 
so I can think, tick, I've dealt with that box and I can just plough on. And and actually the reason why that's the one thing that kind of sent you down your mental health path was because you were expected to go too fast. You were expected to succeed. You were expected... Well, you were judged on your pace. Yeah. So yeah. it's not expected. I was judged. So it was part of being successful. How quickly could I get where I needed, where everyone was aiming to be? Because that that differentiated. I've obviously subsequently learnt in life that it doesn't really matter when you get there. But uh, at the time, I thought it was a rush. And yeah. I just didn't have time for this noise that was my body and mind telling me, you're on the wrong path, you're on the wrong path, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's really relatable to our listeners. It's if you're finding yourself chasing success fast. Slow down. Breathe. <laughs> yeah. Cliches, but absolutely valuable. And you know, you're Stop proof panicking. that it works. <laughs> On the way into the uh, the recording today, Esty was like trying to get everything done in two seconds that we sat in the car. And I had to just say to her, just stop. We don't need to do that now. Uh, it's just the way life is. It makes us feel that when it comes into our head, we need to do it. And actually, if we can't do it and we can't do the plan that we think we want to have later today, we'll do a different plan. Absolutely. Okay, next question. Tell us about one listener who touched your heart. So I've had so much... Um, Literally so much. <laughs> ...really positive feedback um, since uh, launching the podcast. And the one thing I did, because I wanted to be the change that I want to see, was I went against the the societal prescription of not being too authentic or vulnerable on, on LinkedIn. And I launched it on LinkedIn. And I had loads of, you know, um, really positive feedback from that. But one particularly stood out to me, and that was um, somebody I've known since I was training in law um, back in the 1990s. Um, and she's a partner in a law firm, Rachel Lynn. And her feedback on the LinkedIn post actually brought tears to my eyes. I had quite a lot of tears because uh, I'm in the world of feeling now. So <laughs> it has made me very tearful on several occasions. Um, but why hers really touched me was because I could feel her frustration that this is still a thing. She's known me for that long. She's a very significant person in my life. She's a, uh, you know, we've been friends for years. We, we, we've um, trained together we've grown together um, and she's always been such a strong supporter of mine and her feedback really touched me because she defined me as brave and all really good stuff oh baby well done so yeah so that that was um that touched my heart as you yeah. can tell oh well done darling and it's good because like people tell me I'm brave and courageous and it, you know, it, they're just words, but I kind of got what they meant because it is brave. I'm probably, um, you know, I, I, I took a risk because some people, regardless of what anybody likes to think, it will, they will box me and judge me for what I've done. Absolutely. Um, but the way I justify it is, well, I don't want to work with people like that anyway. You know, that's not, I'm not in the, in the world of, of, of faking it anymore so it's vulnerability and authenticity all the way for me but that comment along with there was another guy Nigel Osman who also um, said something fantastic about how 
I've always inspired him and continue to inspire him. And this is a guy that spends his day working and saving people who are victims of modern slavery. So to get that type of feedback from somebody who is such a real person touched my heart. Just just casting back back to Rachel, I've got her message here. She says, this is for all of us, those who suffer, those who know and love people that have suffered and those that have absolutely no experience to show compassion, kindness and acceptance. I think that's a really good summary of, of um, what we've been doing here and probably why it touched your heart. Yeah. Okay, moving on to our second to last question. What's the most important thing you've learned in your life? That it's a journey and it's impermanent and it's for living and experiencing and feeling. It's not for achieving perfection. So that, I think, has been the biggest learning for me over the last 47 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> Boom. You know, we, we, we're definitely not here to be perfect and to achieve societal success. When we die, and, and I always remember this because when my, uh, my sort of cousin slash uncle, he was obviously a great uncle of sorts, died, and he had a really good career um, and he was financially comfortable but he didn't have any kids and he didn't have his wife around him and he didn't have much family around him until the later days and he wasn't interested in in what he had achieved in his career he wasn't interested in the money he had in his bank he was interested in the people around him um so for me life is not about societal success it's not about our bank account it's not about how great and important we are in work it's about how we make people feel Gold dust. That is what I live my life for now, which is experiencing it, living it, and making sure that people like to have me around. Um, because how much money I've got, what car I drive, what house I live in, means nothing when you're when you're leaving this life. Yeah, you yeah. know, love it. Um, and to the last question of our season and episode today, what is the one thing? the podcast has done for someone that you did not expect? It's not that it's done it for someone. I think when you, well, I mean, when you do a podcast, I mean, who, whoever knew I was going to do a podcast. But I think what has really surprised me with the podcast is the reach it's had. And I don't mean about how many countries. Um, I mean about the sort of diversity of people that seem to have resonated with it. So it isn't just people that have had... Um, horrendous journey with mental health like me there are people actually majority of people who are again on the face of it very successful and have the perfect life who are telling me that they resonate with so much and it's making them think about their relationship with their kids or you know what even their children are achieving so it's nice to know that as we said at the outset that we're just regular people and in that in that vein regular people are relating to it so that was our goal to get store a story like this out there just so that everybody that looked in on me and thought I was something that would always be happy perfect and successful because I had all the 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 accolades that are associated with someone like me but actually I wasn't that happy and 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 therefore it kind of justified the fact that they're not happy because it's okay to be unhappy even when you seemingly have everything everybody is seeking to achieve. So yeah, that I think is the thing that I've really 
been overwhelmed by. Yeah, just the sheer resignation of people. Yeah, resignation, yeah. Even the smallest thing that we've said that we didn't even think would resonate. (laughs) Well, it it is relatability, isn't it? That's what we wanted and, and, um, and that's what we've got. So... And, you know, I just hope now that this is episode 12 and I hope now that we go on and do season two where we share other people's yeah. stories. And it, that's... Yeah, it leads me really nicely into what I just wanted to close this episode with um, for everyone. We are going to be doing a season two. Season two isn't going to be about Nessa or me. It's going to be about all the regular people out there who have also suffered, who have also had a traumatic journey and have created coping mechanisms or surviving strategies that they feel they want to share with the rest of the world. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be depression. I mean, it can be your story. It can be addiction. It can be depression. It can be anxiety. It can just be your way. Yeah, your way of coping. Your freedom, your way. Because the one thing I really want to impress before we leave today is there. Finding my freedom is this simple. I've learned to accept life as it is and that sets me free. Nice. So that's exactly how we're going to leave you guys um, with today. If you want to be a guest on our season two, please follow us on Instagram, go into our bio. In there, you'll find a link that's called Share Your Story. You'll fill out a really, really short form, um, all massively confidential, of course. Um, But it just means that we get a feel of what you've gone through, but also how you've coped. And we get the most broadest range of varieties of how people have coped and what their coping strategies are. Um, You'll then be contacted and invited to record in an episode in our next season. Uh, So please, 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 if you or know someone that would like to share their story, please get in touch. Yeah, because remember, we have to share to dare. It's been a pleasure. It's been great, guys. Thank you very much. And I'm so glad the spotlight now comes off me. (laughs) Enjoy, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.